is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 460, recorded Friday, November 8th, 2019. Welcome to the program, everybody. You know what I noticed, Jason? That it's not the 5th of November anymore? It's the 8th of November. Yeah, remember, remember the 5th of November. Right. Well, you missed it. It's the 8th. I I understand. That's what I'm asking you, if that's what you were talking about. Oh, no. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. But I did notice that there's a funny uh, feature about the way you say words ending in ing. You don't say ing, you say in. So this is the talking dead. Yeah. And, and, and I think that may be your Northern Ontario showing a little bit. Nah. You don't think so? You don't say talking dead, you say talking dead? I do. I think I do. Don't I? When I do the intro for the I, show on the regular I shows? I don't really listen to you. Actually. Oh, well, there's that. <laughs> Anyways, I just, I've noticed it the last few weeks and I don't know why I bring it up, but it is one of those funny things. So I think maybe you brought it up to make me self-conscious right at the beginning of an episode. Oh, damn. Is that what I did? (laughs) I think maybe that's what you did. So I think we're going to have to deal with that. Ping. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. All (laughs) right. Well, sorry about that. Jason's going to be all off his game now, everybody. I'll forget about it. Forget about it in about 14 seconds. All right. Someone start the countdown. Uh, welcome back, everyone. It's Friday night. We are here to do our listener feedback for the latest episode of The Walking Dead. We're both back at home now. Uh, I'm feeling good to be home. I know, you know, I was on a seven-day business trip, and seven <laughs> days, by the end of it, at least for me, I'm really ready to come home, no matter where I am. Oh, yeah. I thought. First of all, I thought you were going to say bender. I was on a seven-day bender. Uh, but uh, I mean, it felt like it in a way. In some in some ways, it was a bender. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, once I leave the house for more than an hour and a half, I'm <laughs> I'm ready to come home. Right, and you were only gone for like four days. So. Yeah, I left on Monday morning, and it was absolute hell. And then I got to where I was going, and that was okay. And then I came home, and now right. it's better. On the Friday, yeah, I was gone from Friday to late Thursday night, and it was, uh, it felt like a long time, even though I was at Disney World, where you'd think time would pass, but other than the first day there, I didn't really do the Disney stuff. I was working and eating steaks and spending all my money, well, mostly spending someone else's money, let's be honest, and then uh, sitting around and before I had to fly home, so... yeah. We had a really good conversation. You had a $65 steak and I had a $16 steak and uh, I liked my steak. My Well, I liked mine too. I had a really good steak. I, I It blew my mind that you had <laughs> dinner one night all in sixteen fifty or whatever you told me for yeah. a steak. And I was sitting in a restaurant in Disney and I think my total check came to almost 90 bucks. Oh, wow. I didn't have any drinks. Like I was right. drinking, uh, you know, flat water and then, you know, the steak with some sides and some cornbread. It was fine. It was a passable steak. I mean, it wasn't fantastic, but it was pretty good. It's hard to fuck up a steak. Well, that's a whole different conversation, but mine was really good too. It was one of the better steaks I've had. I went to this place twice, had the same thing both times because it was really good. Yeah. Ate the whole thing. What does that tell you? That you liked it. Yeah. It was good. 16 All bucks. Right. I'll go back. Well, let's uh, let's start a steak review podcast someday, and we can travel around the world eating meat and talking about it. Uh, no. 
Let's oh. take meat from the world and bring it to us and eat it and talk about it. Oh <laughs> yeah, see, I would I would travel for food. That would be, that'd be all great. right. Well, we'll do that then. You travel, I won't. We'll both eat steak. <laughs> You'll have the same one every week. Oh, no, I'll, I'll ship it in. I'll bring it in. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this has gotten out of control. Do you want to start our listener feedback? Sure. Listener feedback. Our first email comes from Don in Wisconsin, and Don says. I thought for sure I would hear Jason call out the problem with the radio scene between Sadiq and Dante. When Dante left the microphone to get Carol, you could hear the background noise on his end as if it were a telephone left off the hook. You would only hear that if Dante inexplicably left the button on the mic depressed to transmit. I have come to rely on Jason as the master of the show's slip-ups on things like this. Where were you, Jason? I just don't know you anymore. Well, I don't have a lot of experience with, uh, uh, you know, citizen band radios of this uh, ilk. Like I have, you know, handheld two-way radios and yeah, you got to hold the talk button. But, you know, I've also seen movies and television where uh, truckers will use elastic bands to tape down the talk button and just leave it hanging in their cab so they can just talk while they're driving. So maybe they were doing that. Maybe they're just you know, put an elastic band on the talking thingy and uh, just left it so that they could uh, hear the background noise. I don't know what they're doing. I guess that's the only explanation for it other than it was necessary for the plot. But uh, yeah, that's that's how the, I figure that's how they get entertainment in this world. Just hold the, you know, wrap the, tape the button down. And then on the other end, you can just listen into whatever conversations happening within earshot of the radio or mic shot of the radio, I guess. And it's like, it's like real radio. No, that's never, good. You never know what you might hear. I'm sorry, Don. I, I I feel bad that I let you down, and I'll try and do better. <laughs> don't let it happen again. Well, I don't know if I can guarantee that, but uh, I'll uh, pay attention to more radio stuff. Okay. It helps. <laughs> Thanks for pointing, pointing it out, though, Don. Yeah, thank you. Next, we have an email from Tommy in Florida. You guys talked about Brandon coming out of nowhere. Well, Brandon was Negan's handler, watcher, and babysitter. His dad was an ex-savior who believed Negan's way, uh, telling Brandon all the uh, heroic tales of the man. Okay, so Brandon. uh, Brandon. Yeah. We did, I don't know what we were doing uh, before. Maybe it's because we were away and full of meat and something like that, but... Brandon is the guy who's been hanging around Negan the whole time, telling him what to do and keeping him in line. Really? Uh, yeah, I know. No, it's, have it, you gone back and confirmed this? I have. I went back. I watched part of the first episode earlier tonight. And sure enough, that's Brandon standing there like when when Negan is talking to Lydia in the first episode. Brandon Shit. comes up. and you know, that's Yeah, I know. It's Okay, so two emails right out of the gate. We've dropped the ball or, you know, I dropped the ball twice. You've only dropped the ball once. Let's keep score. We're not doing so well in this episode, Chris. I I know. I know. And I don't know what the hell it is because when I watched Brandon in this episode, I had like no recognition of the guy. It's like I'd never seen him before. And I wonder if that has to do with his, his different, I mean, his personality being so different in this one. Right. Whereas before he was just sort of a guy who was there. He had a few lines. He said to Negan, you know, things like, you know, well, basically, I don't know what he said, but he just tried to keep him in line and stuff like that. Uh, when there was the fight uh, between Lydia and um, 
uh, Gage and those people, you know, he was there too to take Negan off. But yeah, he's been around, but I just didn't recognize him. Now, I can also claim to have face blindness because I'm pretty sure I do a little bit. But oh, no, really? That, oh man, I got to meet someone like four or five times before I remember who they are. Oh, I got. I have name blindness. I can't remember people's. I can't remember people's names to save my life. But I'm. But you fair, look at them and go, I know, I know you. I just don't know what you're called. Yeah, it might be a 3D thing too, right? Like being able to see somebody in all three dimensions to be able to recognize them. Maybe it's a little more difficult on the screen. Well, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. But it, it's weird. I, I had trouble or I just had no recognition of the guy. So, but he, it's him. And I appreciate Tommy uh, for pointing that out. Tommy's not the only listener that wrote in with that bit of information. Man, I'm feeling bad. <laughs> right. Well, let's try the next one here. Um, Trisha in Massachusetts wrote, the Negan wannabe kid mentions that he spent a long time looking for Lucille and the jacket. I think he said they were in storage somewhere, so I believe that's the original Lucille. No, because they were in the in amongst barbed wire, right? Right, but we still can't really explain how he was able to wrap the wire around that bat so quickly and where the bat came from, although that's a different problem, I think. Yeah, they make more than one bat. Well, of course they do, but wouldn't we have seen him carrying the bat before then? It was a very long backpack. He could fit that whole bat in his backpack if he needed to. Okay. Uh, my my personal belief is that this is not Lucille. This is Lucille 2. No, I agree. I don't think it's Lucille 1. It doesn't just doesn't look the same. Um and it, it they seemed to indicate during the scene that uh Brandon was creating Lucille 2 while Negan was fighting off that walker. Yeah, in amongst a bunch of barbed wire. That's the thing that really gets me. If there was no barbed wire around, I'd obviously think this was Lucille. But, you know, it was a barbed wire fight. It was. It was. I mean, it was at least a barb. It was at least a fight near barbed wire. Well, I mean, he pulled that zombie's head off with barbed wire. Well, that's true, yeah. So he didn't use gloves for that, though, did he? He used a head of stick. He had a stick that he used to, to pull. Oh, right. He wouldn't, right, right, right. yeah. If he just pulled that, I would, I would be calling bullshit. You know, seven ways from Sunday. No but kidding, no he, kidding. He used a stick, so there was barbed wire lying around. I assumed that Brandon had a bat, uh, and then found the barbed wire, and I was like, "Hey, I'll just wrap this thing up and call it Lucille too." Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's it. Um, I, I think that's what we have to go with because I don't think it's the original Lucille. And when Brandon was saying that he had to dig around in storage for stuff, I think he was just referring to the jacket. Right. Right. So that's what he had to hunt for at Alexandria. And once he found it, he was able to bring it back to Negan and sort of give him back his powers a little yeah. bit. A little bit. All right, next we have a an email from Cindy from Columbus, Ohio. I really enjoyed the return of old Negan. I don't want to see him killing the ones we care about, but I've missed the cockiness of the character. Yeah, so is old Negan really back? Or are we seeing new Negan masquerading as old Negan? Well, that's a good question, and I don't know the answer. No, I don't know either. I suspect that Negan is the kind of guy who will, at least now, and maybe always, but the kind of guy who will adjust his 
persona a little bit, depending on who he's dealing with, right? Yeah. So he wants everybody at Alexandria to think of him as this reformed new Negan, Negan 2.0. But now that he seems to be among the Whisperers, he's going to be presenting his more Negan-y kind of personality because maybe he thinks that will appeal to them a little bit more. Maybe, but maybe the personality is directly derived from the Lucille that he's carrying. And since this is Lucille 2, his personality has to be Negan 2. Right, but Negan 2 is like kind of the good guy Negan, right? Uh, He's just this guy, you know? I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. He's just this guy. I suppose, yeah. Well, I'm I'm just saying that Negan at Alexandria appears to be a better guy. He's just going about his business. He's doing his job, picking tomatoes and burying corpses. Yep. And, uh, talking to kids about testicles. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I don't know what Negan that is to be honest, cause it's not Alexandria Negan and it's not really original Negan either. Although maybe it's a little closer to original Negan. I sure hope it isn't teacher Negan. <laughs> well, we might get to that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, So the many faces of Negan, like that should be, oh my God, that has, they, they need to make, you know, those posters, those many faces posters where usually the joke is you, you show an emotion and then the, the uh, picture is the same for everyone. And you're kind of saying that these people, this person only has one emotion. Uh We need the many faces of Negan. The only problem is he has many different faces. He does have many different, is Negan his first name or his last name? I don't know if Kirkman has ever clarified that. Okay. So he's just Negan, but nobody's ever asked him like, what's your, your first name? And he said, it's Clarence. Clarence Negan. That's a pretty good name. It is not. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, No, I think Negan is his first name, but I don't think anyone knows for sure. Negan's not a first name. Well, why can't it be a first name? Well, I don't know. I guess it could be his middle name. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying it's a, it's a fairly unique name, so could be anything really. Yeah. Okay. So his full name is Clarence Negan Jones. I don't think you need the Jones. I think he's just Clarence Negan. That's pretty good. All right. I, I would vote for Clarence Negan. I, I, I have voted for Clarence Negan. I did the <laughs> write-in ballot for the last uh, uh, vo- uh, election day we had a few weeks ago. Clarence Negan. Well, yeah. one vote from Jason Miles. Are we allowed to write in votes? I don't think we are. Uh, you know what? No, I've never seen a write-in option on, on our ballots. So I don't, I don't think you can. I don't think, well, not for, you know, MPP and prime minister and stuff. Maybe for like other smaller elections, you can write in votes. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you're voting for the head of your parent council or something like that. Oh, okay. I'll do write-ins for that. All right. I'm writing you in for the next one. Uh, no, not in your local because I'm not going there. <laughs> disqualified <laughs> okay where are we um next one is shenandoah on our facebook page wrote i'm not mad that negan killed brandon but i do wish he had taken a second to tell him why uh, i like the sudden realization of oh man i messed up when a baddie gets caught so what shenandoah is saying is she wants a little bit more of the villain monologue here rather than Negan just looking at Brandon getting really angry and then bashing him his, his head in. She wants Negan to explain to Brandon why he's about to get his head bashed in. Yeah. I mean, who has time for that? 
Really? Well, clearly supervillains usually do. Yeah, but when they're going against, you know, superheroes, right? When supervillains right. are killing the masses, they don't explain to them what's going on and why uh, they're part of the master plan. They only talk about the, the master plan to the superheroes, right? So maybe Brandon's so low level that he doesn't deserve uh, a monologue. No, you're probably right. Yeah, I, I don't think he really does. But that being said, I get her point here of like, yeah, it would well, have been fun to see uh, Brandon suddenly come to this realization that he may think he's doing what Negan wants, but now he's about to pay for it with his life. So it's not really getting him what he wants. Yeah. And when you get really, really angry and you decide to kick whatever it is that you're angry at, I'm thinking in terms of uh, garbage cans or mm -hmm. boxes that are in your way or shoes in front of the door or something. You don't monologue as to why you're, you're angry and you're going to kick those shoes. Uh, you just <laughs> kick the shoes out of the way. Right. So yeah. maybe he was just so angry that he didn't, uh, he, he wasn't able to speechify uh, what his emotions were. Maybe he's not that in touch with his emotions that when he runs red hot, uh, he doesn't want to, you know, talk about it. He just wants to bash heads with rocks. Yeah. I think the point is he didn't think Brandon was worth it. Or he right? was so mad, right? He was like, I guess just so. super mad. He's just like, okay, you killed that kid. I was just talking to him about my testicles and then you killed him. I'm pissed. It's time to die. <laughs> it's time for you to die. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I mean, for once. For once, we didn't get Negan talking too much. He just reacted. No, not until he gets Lucille on his hands. Right. Then okay, he starts talking. That's his, uh, that's his, uh, you know, his, his talking stick. It's his conch. It's like holding the conch. It's like holding the conch. Once he has uh, Lucille there, now he can feel like he can monologue. Yes, he does. And I'm sure he will. <laughs> I'm sure he will. All right. Next, we have a call from Scott in Arkansas. Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. This is Scott from Arkansas. I would just like to give my two cents worth regarding the great nut-tapping controversy. So I did find it a little bit jarring myself as well. Kind of took me a little bit back, kind of from being out of left field. But I don't think it really bothered me as much as it seems to have bothered you guys. I think you have to take into consideration uh, a few factors here. One being the fact that we know that Negan was a school teacher, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, like a, a gym or a phys ed teacher. And so my opinion of him is he was probably the kind of teacher who tried to be hip or cool with his students. He wanted to be known as the cool teacher. He wanted to try to bond with them on their level and say if he had like junior high school boy gym class and that's the kind of stupid crap they were doing, he probably noticed it and just filed that back in his mind as, well, that's what the kids are doing these days. And so he's trying to be like the cool uncle or whatever, with this strange conversation that he's having with, what's the kid's name, Milo? Uh, and the other thing, you know, he may not have been the most stable person before the uh, zombie apocalypse. Not to say that necessarily that he was in clinically insane or anything like that, but he probably was a little bit of a loose cannon anyway on his own beforehand. And then you introduce a zombie apocalypse, and I think it drives everybody a little bit insane. Wherever they're at, pushes them a little bit further, like take Alpha. Alpha was probably able to live her life on her own and conduct her own, but she had her dark um, thoughts that the zombie apocalypse gave her uh, permission, if you will, just to embrace those even further, to go further down the rabbit hole of her insanity, if you will. So I don't think Negan was insane before, but he was probably a little bit, uh, a little bit of a loose cannon. You introduce the zombie apocalypse, 
and he uses that as an excuse to become the leader of the Saviors. And several years down the road from that, everything is, is turned upside down because of, of the apocalypse. So in his mind, he's just trying to be the cool gym teacher again or the cool uncle. And so he's not going to think like you and I would in a rational, non-zombie apocalypse world of, hey, I shouldn't have a conversation with some teenage boy I just met about nut-tapping. Yeah, it's not going to enter his thinking. He's just he's just trying to make conversation in a way that he thinks will be relatable. So I didn't think it was that big a deal. It would be a big deal. It would be seriously wrong to uh, in our world, in our real life that we live in, to go out to uh, some teenage boy and start talking about nut-tapping. But for Negan and the zombie apocalypse, it's... Yeah, I, I think we're making too big of a deal out of it. But anyway, other than that, love the podcast, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. We'll keep listening. Thanks. Bye. Thank you very much, Scott. So I know exactly what Scott is talking about when he says he's Negan is trying really hard to be like the cool teacher who really gets the kids and identifies with them and, you know, really tries to be one of them on the level that they're at because I've, I, I remember teachers like that when I was in school. Uh, I feel like I, you still experience that sometimes even as an adult, people like really going out of their way to, to um, kind of just fit in with particular groups of people. Uh, And so do you think, I mean, does that kind of explain what Negan is doing here? Just trying to really relate to a kid of this age by talking about something that he thinks this kid will really think is cool. Uh, sort of, it is a reason, but not an excuse. It, it kind of identifies why he's doing this, but I still don't think that it's okay. Well, yeah, that's fair. Um, but it, it explains Negan's thought process a little bit, even if it's kind of subconscious. Yes. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And, And the other thing is that, um, what Scott was saying about how, you know, the zombie apocalypse kind of throws all the rules out the window a little bit. And in, it it may, as he was sort of saying, enhance your personality flaws somewhat already, I think is what he was saying. I remember, um, hearing a, a Robin Williams skit at one point about doing cocaine. I think it was, I think this was Robin Williams and, he did a lot of coke, so maybe. Yeah. Um, and he and it was something like, you know, Robin Williams is saying, I I I started doing cocaine or I I didn't want to do cocaine and a friend of mine had some and and he said, Here, try this. And I said, No, I don't think I will. Why would I want to do that? And my friend said, Because it enhances your personality. And I said to him, Yeah, but what if I'm an asshole? Or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so in this scenario, the zombie apocalypse is the cocaine. And if you're an asshole pre-zombie apocalypse, then you have an apocalypse and you're an asshole. It enhances that assholeness. And in this case, here we have Negan being the teacher who wants to identify with his students and relate to them on their level. You have a zombie apocalypse and suddenly that, amp, that kind of personality gets amped up. So he goes full, like, you know high school teacher kind of thing, um, which is why he's doing this. And maybe in the real world, he wouldn't talk about nut tapping to a 12 year old kid. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's hope. 
<laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I think it was all good points, at least to explain why this scene made a little bit more sense than I think it did originally. Yes. I, I'd agree with that. I all still right. don't think it's an excuse, but I'd agree with the reasoning. Yeah. Fair. Fair. I mean, you, uh, you still can't say he should be doing it, but at least you can understand why it's happening a little bit better. At least I can. Yeah. Uh, next up is, I guess, speaking of nut tapping, we have Jordan in Japan and he writes, when I was in high school in the U.S. in the late 2000s, there were two boys in my Boy Scout troop who would go up to each other and say sack tap and try to lightly tap the victim's nuts. I was the victim of it only one time, but I remember the sense of rage I felt from that one light tap. Men, you'll understand. Yeah, I think if anything, anybody ever tried that to me, I don't care how old I was. Uh, I mean, you can you have to get pretty close in order to do a, a nut tap, right? Yeah. So they would definitely be within punching distance. Like their heads would probably would be within punching distance. So I don't think that I would have any choice in what ha- what happened next. There would just be like either at the very least a very big shove. If you can do it quickly enough, I think the idea though is for is for people to like kind of run up to you, do it, and run away. Yeah, without you I, noticing. I well. Three things. One, I have a very, very wide peripheral vision. Like I have more than 180 degree peripheral vision. I wasn't so I sure can, that's where you were going with that. What, what do you mean? Where was I going with that? I have very, very wide balls. So I, I don't know. Oh, no. Uh, so I, I, you know, if you're coming up in the front of me in any way, shape or form, I'd see you coming and I have a pretty good reaction time. Okay. So uh, I would like to think that I would be able to either protect myself or immediately retaliate. Got it. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad nobody's ever tried this on me that I know about, or if they did try it on me, it didn't work because of those reasons. So maybe they didn't try again. I, I don't really recall. Well, look, man, if I'm ever in your presence, I, which I assume I will be someday, you can be damn sure I'm not going to try to nut tap you. I trust you. I trust you, Chris. Good. From you should. For not, not tapping. Yeah. <laughs> Other things, no, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. All right. We have at least one more about not tapping. This is Mike from uh, Raleigh. Uh, Negan's discussion about not tapping was weird and uncomfortable for me, but I'm a 40-year-old dude. When I was in middle school and in high school, this was a big thing in my group of friends. We called it knacker whacker. And you always had to be prepared for an unexpected whack to the old ball sack. I thought it was stupid then, but I appreciate the humor of it. If I was 12 years old, I would probably prefer to talk about knacker whacking instead of a 35-year-old movie like Back to the Future. So that's a reference to what you were saying earlier this week about there's plenty of good stories you could tell to a 12-year-old who has never lived in anything but the zombie apocalypse, such as Back to the Future or um, Indiana Jones. Uh, so I get what Mike is saying, but I no, I don't. Is Mike, are you saying that you don't want to talk about back to the future? Well, I, I don't understand that. No, 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 I don't either. But I think, um, I think what you were trying to say last or earlier this week, Jason, was that just take the story from back to the future and yeah. tell that story. Don't talk about the fact that it's a movie because the yeah. kid doesn't know that. That's it. Yeah. Just tell, tell you know, tell the star Wars story. Yeah. See? Once upon a time, there was this dude. He was pretty whiny. His name was Luke. I mean, this is a good story, right? You could tell the story. 
Uh-huh. I've seen the movie enough times that I could probably, you know, spit out the dialogue. Oh yeah. Probably a lot, a good chunk of it. <laughs> Me too. Should write a play. That'd be awesome. Well, anyways, um, yeah. I, so it, I guess, Mike, you're saying that if you were 12, you'd rather talk about testicles than an old movie that you wouldn't care about. Right. Okay. That sounds fair. Yeah. I think that is fair, but I also don't think it was sort of what you were saying anyways. So um, let me, let me imagine here. Okay. So uh, a 12 year old talking about a 35 year old movie, like back to the future. Uh, when I was 12, which was 1984, uh, a 35-year-old movie then would be, you know, 74, 64, 54, 1950s movie. Yeah, there's definitely no way I'd want to talk about a movie from the 50s when I was 12. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. You and I are about the same age, and and uh, as far as I was concerned, the 50s didn't even exist when I was 12. Well, they did exist uh, because I watched uh, Happy Days, and they were set in the 50s. Oh, there you go. <laughs> right? Okay, well. So, but they didn't go to movies. You could have talked about a 50s TV show, or a old well, TV show. No, a 70s TV show set in the 50s, yeah. but yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's no, I can't even think of a movie that came out in the 50s. Uh, I probably have a couple of them in my library. Like, uh, I think I've grabbed some movies from the early days. Well, I mean, there are plenty that were released, but... You're... Yeah, and movies were 50 years old in the 50s, too. So, you know, you are saying in their early days. Yeah. Be, yeah, be yeah. like saying, I'm still in my early days. <laughs> Which I'd like to think was true, but I'm not sure it is. Yeah. Sadly, I don't think so. Uh, hopefully you're in your mid, mid days. That's at the most. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike, for that. Let's do a call now from Jennifer in Minneapolis. Hey, listen, you idiots. I have to comment because you guys are talking about the inappropriate conversation that Negan had with Milo. And you were saying it would have been more appropriate to tell the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And of course it would have been more appropriate for somebody who's not Negan. We're we're talking about a guy who is inappropriate 100% of the time. That's why I love this scene, because he's terrible. And yes, they're giving him this redemption arc, but dude's still an asshole. And I totally loved it. I thought it was hilarious. It was uncomfortable. It was super weird. It was super awkward. And I thought it was great. My husband and I had a laugh at the end of it. So we totally loved it. You guys are weird. And, uh, Anyway, difference of opinion. Keep up the great work. Love you guys. See ya. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Jennifer. So uh, all in two sentences there, we're weird and she loves us. Yeah. So this uh, Jennifer's making a lot of sense here. They're, you know, Her and her husband are taking the same information that we are and drawing different conclusions. He's drawing the, yes, this, uh, they're, she's drawing, yes, this is an inappropriate conversation, but that's why it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Because it's wrong and it's stupid and Negan's a bastard and an asshole and he shouldn't be having this and this conversation and isn't that awesome. So it's taking the same information but drawing a different conclusion and I can accept that. That's the beautiful thing about different people. We all have different opinions. Yeah. So I appreciate your, uh, your opinion, Jennifer, for sure. But can we talk for a minute about the fact that Negan 
as a character on the show right now is seems to be moving back towards what he used to be, right? Yeah. Yet, I don't find him annoying like I used to on screen. Now, I get we're not really back to full Negan yet. We're going to get lots more of him in the episode this weekend, I think. Um, but as it stands right now, I can stomach Negan on character, I mean on screen, so much better than I used to be able to during seasons uh, what, seven and eight, when I just found him unbearable most of the time. Well, you got to remember the characters don't come out of the womb fully formed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they enter the show and Jeffrey Dean Morgan has an idea of what the character should be. And Scott Gimple had an idea of what the character should be. And the director was in there and the, the writers were all in there. Everybody was like talking about who Negan should be and how he should be per portrayed. And then it's been refined over the years to where it's a little more, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a better character now than it was back then when it, when it didn't, when it popped it in onto the screen. Yeah, but better. I mean, I, I guess he is better, but he's also just totally different or has been since yeah. he was put in jail. Right. But that's a very deliberate thing. He was full on Negan for two years to start and then he was put in jail and that, is, All right. So you're it's, attributing it's, it to character, and I'm attributing it attributing it to production and acting. Well, I think that's I I definitely think the acting is part of it. Jeffrey Dean Morgan acts this character differently, but it's because he's being asked to or forced to, just because you can't be original Negan when you're in a jail cell the whole time. It just it would be even more ridiculous than I thought original Negan was to begin with. So I think it's a it's, it's not a long progression of character development for Negan. It's like he was one guy and now he's in jail. So he's a different guy. It's almost like Negan deliberately changed his personality knowing, you know, because of the situation he was in. Yeah. Um, and now he's out of that situation again. And there are hints that he is once again, deliberately changing his personality to appeal to a different group of people. So is this a part of Negan's character that he can do this and he uses his own sort of personality to manipulate others? I think it probably is. And I like that. I actually like that about this guy now. Right. Um, or is it more of a, you know, something imposed on him by the fact that he's been written this way or the overall story has been written this way. And it's like, you just can't be full on Negan when you're in jail, but now you're out and you can be again. I don't know. Well, I guess you have to change your personality to be able to get through imprisonment, right? You're not your yeah. person. You're not your best self in prison. I would no. assume. Yeah, but that's kind of what I mean. Like it's been forced upon the character. It wasn't slowly developed. He didn't slowly develop into this more low key guy that I that I actually would say is like a better person. But at the same time, there's still that underlying mis distrust I have of him to ever actually be authentic. So you just don't know what you're getting necessarily. Yeah, that's true. And it, you know, I have a friend that, uh, his, his self, uh, when he was, before he was married was a bit of a jerk and an asshole and, uh, didn't do things. Like if, if he said he was going to do something, there's a pretty good chance that he wouldn't do it. But then he got married and she hounds him left, right, and center <laughs> and makes him do the stuff that he says he's going to do and mm -hmm. do the stuff that he doesn't want to do. And he's better off for it. So, 
uh, you know, that, that personality that changes based on conditions sometimes is for the better. Sure. I guess life situation dictates a lot of the kind of person you're going to be. Yeah. So maybe Negan is, uh, better off imprisoned. Well, I think if you are judging him as a human being, yeah, I think he is better off imprisoned, but it's going to be interesting to see where, where the plot goes from here now that he's out. And now that he looks like he's going to be surrounded by people we consider pretty evil. Um, yeah, that that's, I'm after our conversation on uh, Tuesday, I'm fairly certain this is an infiltration and, uh, he, his redemption story arc is going to come to, uh, flower in this particular area. All right. I think that's, uh, I think that's going to be interesting to see then. Um, you know, again, knowing I, Negan being a comic character, the whispers being comic characters, I do have some idea of what they're going for here, which I know you don't have. So it's going to be interesting. I'll just leave it at that. All right, then. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on. So next we have an email from John in Boston, Mass. Negan is back, but he is much more, uh, he is much more interesting, complex and nuanced than he's ever been. Jeffrey Dean Morgan was the highlight of this otherwise pretty listless episode. Brandon was great if twisted. It's only a shame that his, his, Perversion and demise were not teased out over, over a couple of episodes. His hero worship of Negan of the Negan myth uh, deserved a bit more development. The kid who played him gave a terrific performance. The way his eyes lit up and his voice grew excited when he talked about Negan cutting off Carl's hand. His murder of Amelia and Milo shouldn't have, but succeeded in taking me completely by surprise. The question remains, if Brandon didn't let Negan free, who did? My money is on Father Gabe. He's a very practical man who might be looking for a way to bring the fight directly to the Whispers and knows that Negan is the best way to do that. Plus, Gabe and Negan have one of the more uh, curious relationships on the show. <laughs> right. So, yeah, the question of how did Negan get out is still out there because apparently Brandon didn't let him out. Nope. Um. And we know years and years and years ago, was it Father Gabe who left the cell unlocked by accident one day? Yep. I don't think he would ever do that again. So there's, I don't think there's, I, I really don't think this is going to be a case of, oops, someone forgot to lock the door and he just walked out. No, someone let him out and uh, I don't know who it was. I'm not even sure I'm in a position to be able to speculate. So the only thing we really do know is that it wasn't Lydia, right? Because Daryl said she was in the house all night. Yes. And to be honest, she would be suspect number one if we did yeah. not have that information. And she fake confessed to it already. Well, she fake confessed to it. And I well, understand. You might fake confess to something that you actually did in order to, uh, you know, shift position of, uh, you know, suspicion off of you. Sure. It's, it's it's a delicate uh, thing to do and a very bold thing to do, but it is possible. It is possible, but I don't think she had anything to do with no, it. No, I don't either. But if I didn't have that information, she would be my number one suspect because I, I feel like she would have had the motivation to do it. So, I mean, the second suspect has to be Judith, right? I don't think Judith would do it. I mean, I don't think so either, to be honest with you, because again, it's even less likely that a 
what is she, 10? Not even 10, right? Oh, you know, I think she is about 10, whatever. She, a young girl is less, even less likely to think that she would sneak out at night to let Negan out of that cell. But I'll be honest, I won't be too surprised if we find out sometime this season that it was her that let Negan out. But then moving down the list after that, I just don't know. I mean, yeah. there's there's some people that you can rule out immediately, like Michonne and Aaron. Um, and, well, those two for sure. But if you go through the list of like Rosita and Eugene and Father Gabe, I guess there's some possibility with those characters, but I can't think of any real motivation any of them would do it. Um, it might be somebody we've never uh, we've never met before. Like it could just be a red herring. Somebody said, "Oh, I let them out." Like, well, who are you again, <laughs> Brandon? No, no, <laughs> nobody recognizes me. Yeah. I mean, there are other very, very background characters. Yeah. I feel like it's going to annoy me if it's a new character that we've never seen before, because again, they need to dangle something in there to give you at least a hope of figuring it out. And if they don't do that, it's just poor storytelling. But then of course, there's the final option that nobody helped him escape. And somehow he formulated a plan to escape on his own and managed to pull it off. Oh yeah. Or maybe he knows how to get out of that makeshift cell. Right. Maybe he's been able to escape for years now and just yeah. hasn't because we know he didn't want to leave at one point. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Um, it's a lot of questions, and no answers about how Negan got out for now. I assume the show is going to have to tell us they're going to have to give us that at some point. It, it would be way too much of a loose end to just leave that hanging. Yeah. I can, uh, one thing I can tell you for sure is that the plot let him out. Well, we know that. But yeah. we, we need to know exactly some more details of how yeah, that we works. Yeah, we need some kind of plot mechanic to uh, to explain it. For sure. So we're going to get that. Um, and maybe sooner than later, to be honest. I, I do think Negan's going to be a big part of the episode this weekend and what he's doing with the Whisperers. So you never know. Maybe he'll just tell them how he got out and that'll be that. We can move yeah. on. True. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, all right. Next is Terry in Thunder Bay and Terry writes, I just wanted to clarify that the guardian who Gamma stabs on the little island of debris in the river is the whisperer that questioned Alpha and that Beta killed by slicing the back of his neck. Beta killed him this way so he could turn into a walker and give Gamma the guardian she asked for. Yeah, and then she was going to block the river with him and then left him on a little island instead of blocking the river. Uh, right. I mean, she was trying to make a dam, um, but Man. that aside, I think Terry points out an interesting little detail that I didn't really think of at the time. She comes asking for a walker. This guy speaks up and Beta's like, hey, I'll give you a walker right here. Slice. And there you go. So they don't have yeah. to sacrifice one. They make a new one. And Gamma gets what she wants. Yeah. Here's your guardian. Guardian, Away you go. Perfect. Yeah. Good work. Thanks, Terry. Uh, next we have Caden in Alberta. Do you think there's any chance that Gamma could change sides? Like if she found out Alpha lied about killing Lydia? So Gamma defecting yeah. and changing sides. I think the only way this happens is if Gamma does go undercover into Alexandria and somehow becomes converted to their way of life. I don't think she will, I don't think Gamma will specifically uh, defect. 
but I think over time, maybe she'll start to see the error in her current ways. Uh, yes. I mean, I think Alpha, uh, sorry, Gamma is going to go undercover. I think you're right about that. Mm -hmm. She's going to be going undercover, but I guess there is a possibility that going undercover and then going to a place that is, uh, better, (laughs) a little Mm -hmm. more uh, relaxed society, Mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, is some, some place she might decide she wants to be and therefore defect. Yeah. It's not exactly Stockholm syndrome, but it's similar, right? I mean, it, it, it's happened. I mean, uh, in during World War II, prisoners captured by the Canadian Armed Forces were brought to uh, POW camps in Canada and were treated well. And at the end of the war, some of these POWs decided to stay. Right. Or go back to Germany, collect their families, and then come back. Uh-huh. Like, you know, that place not so bad. Uh, I think I'm going to go there. Yes. So this kind of thing happens. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's not unheard of and I wouldn't be entirely surprised if Gamma does this. Gamma is not in the comics. So there's okay. wide open field of story vision to do something here with her. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Gamma picks up some storylines from other characters, little bits and pieces and stuff like that. But I would not be surprised at all, Caden, if Gamma goes undercover with the intention of being a spy, but ends up, I don't know, getting converted and staying there. Yeah, like Enid. Right. Not like Enid at all. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe it's not that Enid's a spy, maybe Enid was a spy. Right. Became converted and then everything was fine. Fell in yeah, love yeah. with Alden and then died. Oh. Oh. It's too bad. That's what happens to spies. I really liked them as a couple too. But a big part of that is because I, a long time ago, did a panel with Caitlin Nacon and she was just so lovely and so delightful and so friendly that I'm like, I want her to be happy. Whether it's her or Enid, I just want her to have a happy relationship and then she got killed off. Well, I'm sure that, you know, her real life is not reflected in the show. Yeah. She's going to go on and be, you know, a successful actress and uh, be, uh, have many happy relationships and live a a long, wonderful life. I do. I do hope so. All right. uh, Two more here and they're a little bit more. Well, this one's a little bit more general. And then the last one I think is more about last week's episode since we missed our feedback show last week, if you recall. Uh, So this email here comes from Jordan on our Facebook page. Jordan writes, I'm really feeling a lull in this story. Each episode has had some good character development and a few decent important moments, but it all so far just feels like build up and pieces moving toward the next thing with nothing much else happening with the main story. We've been getting teased for five episodes about confrontation, and I just want to get there already. Each episode has had a self-contained story, and the only time the main plot is moved along is the cliffhanger in the last minute. I really hope things aren't being dragged out for the Whisperer story to end specifically on episode 8. Realistically, I think they would have been dealt with by now. I'd just rather things happen organically, and each episode move the plot along as it should, rather than doing a bunch of extra one-off stories just to fill out the 8 episode slots. Yeah, and this is a, it's a tough thing to do and a tough thing to uh, to skirt. If uh, my biggest 
in my brain, my biggest example of this, other than The Walking Dead, about moving the plot forward, is The X Files. The X Files had was a fantastic show. Uh, you've seen them all. I haven't, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, so there's basically three types of shows in the X-Files. There's Monster of the Week, and then there's the alien invasion storyline, and then there's other smaller storylines that they, uh, they, that go from one week to another. And every week in that show, it was a crapshoot as to what you'd get, right? You could get a alien invasion plotline story, and that was awesome, because then you'd, uh, uh, for me, it was awesome because you'd be able to find out what the hell's going on with this potential alien invasion, or you'd get a monster of the week episode and be like, oh my God, this is going to go nowhere and it's not, nothing's going to happen. Uh, so X-Files is a bit of a crapshoot for me and I don't okay. want this, I don't want this show to turn into that. Are you going to, you going to school me on X-Files? No, I'm just going to say, I don't agree with that on X-Files. I think. They're, I think they managed to pull off both types of episodes brilliantly most of the time. The the overall storyline involving the alien invasion was great and fascinating, and I enjoyed watching that. But the Monster of the Week stuff was usually really good, too, uh, certainly in the early seasons of X-Files. So I think they managed to balance that really well. And also, the whole point of the X-Files kind of was to do that. Whereas it's not with The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is telling a grand overall story, the same one every week. Yeah. With little detours here and there and information about, or storylines about each character that are a little bit smaller. Um, so that's, I think that's different from The X-Files. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll concede that point. I but won't. I also agree. Sorry. I also agree that I don't want... The Walking Dead to change its format and go more towards an X-Files thing where they don't kind of deal with the overall story all the time and they do focus on different things from episode to episode. I don't want that to happen on The Walking Dead because I don't think that would work for this show. Yeah. And I think the other thing I don't want to happen with The Walking Dead is that we only have uh, overarching plotline scenes. Like, I want to have some character development. I want some other things to happen that aren't directly related. Like, we we have to have subplots, right? We have Mm -hmm. to tell an interesting story rather than just laying out plot points that directly relate to the overarching uh, story that they're trying to tell. Because then you might as well just read an outline. Yeah. And and I guess you're right. I mean, The Walking Dead kind of does the X-Files thing, but not not as... um specifically episode to episode, right? You get little bits of things here and there in every episode, at least when it's done well. And I think Angela Kang has been able to execute that better than any other showrunner before her has. Um, Yeah. And, and a good example probably is the Ezekiel cancer thing, right? Like that has nothing to do with the overall storyline. It's, it's a real personal story, revolving around him and how he's going to deal with that. Um, now I'm pretty sure he's not going to die of cancer. He's just going to get healed. No, I think he's going to die, but I don't think he's going to die of the cancer. If you know what I mean? Oh, I see. So he's going to, this just is going to, uh, light a fire under his hero moment. Exactly. It's going to, it's going to give us insight into Ezekiel as a character and his relationship with the other characters. That's what's going to happen first. It's going to allow him to probably repair his relationship with Carol a little bit. 
But then once we've had those moments, it's going to turn into a bigger motivator for him to do something heroic and probably then not be on the show again after that. Well, there you go. That's the way I see it going with, with that. But the point well, is, yeah, they do not gonna, both on this show. They, Yeah, so I, I agree with you. They do both on the show, uh, and they mix them in, unlike the X-Files, which the nice thing about the X-Files is that if you want to go back and just watch the episodes around uh, the alien invasion, mm-hmm. they have them in. Uh, they have them marked on Wikipedia. You can show which ones uh, are Monster of the Week, which ones are Alien Invasion, and you can just watch the Alien Invasion episodes without having to mess with all that other crap. Sure, but on the other side, if you just want to go back and watch something as a one-off because you, you you just want to watch something before you go to bed one night, like you can watch a Monster of the Week and be highly entertained and not have to worry about a bigger story that you're missing out on. That's true. That's true. That's true. Right. So I think yeah. I think you can. I think you got kind of. Uh, all kinds of options there, which is, which is good. But before we do our last email here, just, you know, with Jordan, I don't know that I really agree that we've been kind of just teasing stuff this season and not paying anything off. You know, the walking dead has done that over the years. In fact, I can remember way, way back in season one. Um, at some point you and I talked about how, the show is setting a lot of things up, but they're not really knocking anything down. Right. Now, to be fair, that was the first season. There's probably a lot of setup to do, right? Here we are in season 10. They don't need to, or they, you know, they don't need to go back and explain who people are and introduce us to things and so on. We know it all already, right? So it's naturally not going to be like that. But if, you know, Jordan's kind of feeling like it is a bit, I can understand why that would be a criticism of the show in its current form, but I'm not sure I totally agree because I do think they're moving things along here and uh, telling, well, what I think is a pretty good story so far, and I don't feel like they've been spinning their wheels. Okay, good. All right. All right. <laughs> so, so take that, Jordan. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Our last email of the day, and I like this email because uh, it involves zombie math. So Andy from Germany writes, the tactic to send the walkers to wear the survivors out makes uh, only makes sense if you ignore the logistics. Let's say a trained fighter can kill one approaching zombie walker or one approaching walker per minute. This means after fighting 10 hours per day, 600 killed walkers. They have around 50 fighters, so let's say they can kill 30,000 walkers per day. This wouldn't wear them out, though. One walker per minute is a very comfortable speed. Now compare this with the work the Whispers have to do for the attack. Uh, Assume the walkers cannot find their way alone. This means every group needs Whispers to lead them to Alexandria. If the distance is 10 miles... They can manage just one group per day. The crucial point is killing a walker is very little work compared to transporting a walker to another location. Okay, so... Math. Math, but I don't agree with the math. There well, is a, 10 no, hours of killing uh, you know, one walker per minute is a lot of fucking work. Unrealistic. There's no way a normal human being could fight 10 hours per day and kill one per minute. There's just no way. I'm, so I'm not entirely know, convinced that I could do something I like for 10 hours a day, let alone killing walkers. Right. Um, and, and 
honestly, so he says they have 50 fighters doing this. They can kill 30,000 walkers per day. My first thought is no way. And second of all, even if it was half that, like that still feels like way more walkers than you can kill in a day. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't buy it. Like that's, that's too many. Um, and people can't work that hard. Um, so even if the, um, even if the, uh, whispers couldn't get that many walkers there in a day, I still feel like they would be able to overwhelm them with groups of walkers actually pretty quickly because humans need to rest. They need to eat. They need to like go take dumps once in a while. Well, you know? yeah. I mean, you could like, how long does it take you to take a dump? You know, 10 minutes, 15, half hour. I don't know. I'm not even going <laughs> to don't answer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. So and she, you know, Andy's talking about, uh, you know, killing a walker per minute. That's not like, okay, kill. And then wait a minute, then kill, then wait a minute. They're not going to be evenly spaced out. It's going to be kill, 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 kill. And that's like five minutes of rest you can have after that. Uh, or you, you know, you do, uh, uh, you spend five minutes and you kill a whole bunch of walkers in that time. You got plenty of time to go to the back lines, grab a bite to eat and take a dump and then come back. Right. So <laughs> it's guess. not, it's not spaced yeah. out. Uh, it's just, you know, it's kind of averaging. I, I suppose, but you, you'd need to work this in shifts, which is another thing that over the weeks listeners have pointed out, right? Yes. No one's there the whole time killing them. They, they do a bunch leave a new shift a rested shift comes in right yeah but even that i feel like you couldn't you couldn't maintain that for that long without a really large number of people you know what i mean like you need reserves you need right? reserves exactly um and however i do think the whisperers could continue sending walkers to the gate almost forever because they have so many of them um, yeah. but of course, whispers need rest too. They're people, they're humans. They need to go eat and take dumps and sleep and stuff like that. Um, but if they figured out a way to like get walkers going in one direction and then leave them alone for five miles and they'll just keep walking that way, that doesn't seem like quite as much work as fighting them off. So yeah. I don't know. I'm it's, I, I still think it's an interest, a, a, an effective tactic on the whisperers part. Uh, even if the people at Alexandria would be able to fight it off longer than I think, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. So. Okay. That's... I don't know if you know this, Chris, but everybody poops. Well, I know even the queen. No, not the queen, except for the queen. Oh, except for the queen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's a book and, about that, right? And Brad Pitt. I'm pretty sure Brad Pitt doesn't poop. No? All right. But I, I am pretty he... sure that he has face blindness. Really? Brad Pitt? I think so. I think he's come out and admitted that he has face blindness. I mean, you've met him three or four times and he never remembers you. Yeah, he never remembers me. I mean, I've been in his house like twice. He never <laughs> right. remembers me. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's usually when he's sleeping, right? Sure. So yeah, he, I never go when he's awake, but when he wakes up and he looks at me, he doesn't know who I am. Yeah. Who are it, you again? It, it's Jason. <laughs> you remember oh. me, right? Oh, no, I'm calling the police. <laughs> Well, all right. Poor Brad Pitt. Yeah. Okay. And thank you. That's going to do it for all of our emails and calls. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in their, uh, their feedback. 
Um, before we wrap up here, I do want to extend a couple of other thank yous to people who have donated in support of the podcast recently. That would be Kenneth A., Amy D., and Cindy's Gift Boutique, who all mm -hmm. sent donations in via PayPal. Thank you so much to all of you for doing that. If you would like to do something along those lines, there are two ways you can help support the Talking Dead podcast. And the first one is via PayPal. If you go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal, you can make a one-time donation, which is greatly appreciated. But you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, which allows you to set up a very, very small or large, if you want to, uh, but monthly pledge, monthly donation. And um, that is a great way to fire and forget, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> set up that $1 Patreon contribution and just let her go. Uh, but no, I'm joking. Of course, we really appreciate everyone who helps out that way and supports the show. It all goes into putting on the or putting on the podcast and the cost that that is associated with that. So thank you so much to all of you, but thank you to everyone for listening and for writing your feedback and sending your calls. It is all wonderful stuff. So um, we will be back next week to talk about the next episode of The Walking Dead which I didn't write down the title of, so I'm going to find it out right here while I blather on for a second. It is called Bonds, B-O-N-D-S, as in Barry Bonds' last name. So Who's Barry Bonds? He was a baseball player. Nice. Uh, home run record or something like that. I'm, I'm not so into baseball, but... Uh, Could have gotten James Bond. That, that I know. Well, Bonds with an S. Oh, okay, well, I'll find James Bonds. James Bond's <laughs> balls. No, I don't know. Um, Bonds. That's the name of the t episode. So if you'd like to do a title read, please uh, get one in if you can. We already have one. So um, good on you, Mr. Title Reader, who I'll talk about when we record next week. Um, but send in others if, if you want to do one. Otherwise, feel free to get in touch. You can uh, visit our website and click on send voicemail to send a recording to us. That would be a great way to do it. You can also visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash talking dead, where I sometimes pull comments from for feedback. And you can also send all your email correspondence related to the show to talking at gmail.com. So with all that said, thank you so much for listening, everyone until next week. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.